Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm super excited to be bringing you this episode today. Joining us is the man himself. Welcome, Ree. Hey, hey, nice to see you again or talk to you again, Stacey. How are you finding the podcast, Ree? It's very different to standing on stage, which you're very used to to doing and it's also different to being able to sit and do a Facebook live or or a video conference where you can see other people on the other side this is just all audio you know what I'm pleasantly surprised I'm enjoying it maybe it's because it's you and I Oh, you flatter. Thank you. It is good fun. I'm really enjoying being able to go across a a wide range of topics and be able to bring our listeners uh, lots of different thoughts and ideas. And this one is something that I don't think I've heard you talk about before, because whenever we catch up at a conference or a seminar, you only have a certain amount of time and perhaps we've never gotten to this. But we're going to talk today about the customer journey. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you. We have customers in our dance studios that are twofold. We have student customers and we have parent customers. So unlike other businesses, we have, you know, double the work when it comes to attracting new students and parents and dance families into our dance studios. Why is it important for us as studio owners to really understand our customer's journey? I believe that the customer's journey is the experience, the culture of the school. And another point based on what you just said that I would make is that if the child is loving the experience, the parent will love the experience. I look at it and I say, to me, it's about creating a culture that makes the journey something special for the child so that It's for everyone who dances through our school. Think of it as like a life experience and that all students are part of your big family and that that family is something that they would miss, that they would not be able to live without because of the community and the friendship within your school. To me, that's the beginning of an awesome journey for the child, which in return is a awesome experience for the parent as well. It seems like a lot of work, doesn't it, when we have to deal with not just the parents' expectations but the children's expectations. But that's a really nice nice way to think about it. If we focus on the child, who it really is about, sometimes the parents forget that and they kind of make it all about them, but it is really about the child and the child's experience. And if we can really focus in on making that the most positive experience possible, we're really off to a good start. I look at it like this, and I may have said this in our podcast before, but it's appropriate today. I think the ultimate goal is that that child runs out of the classroom or gets in the car and says, Mommy, I love dance. Oh, absolutely. That's the goal, right? That's the ultimate goal because there's a parent isn't going to stop taking their child to an activity or to a place where their child is happy and feeling joy. It's, it's probably what most parents are looking for for their child. Yeah. And so as teachers, we need to remember that not only is it important what we're teaching in the studio in terms of technique, but 
what is that experience like for the child? Are they, you know, they, are they getting along with their peers? Are they being bullied? Are they finding the work too challenging or too easy so that when they do leave, they're in the best place possible, the best headspace and, and the best heart space possible. So they do, you know, skip all the way to the car. Yes, 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 yes. I actually don't think it is as difficult as some may believe to make it so that those kids do it when they leave, that they actually just don't want it to be over. I think we can do that if, if, if that's what we want to concentrate. So while we're talking about that, Ray, what are some things that we can do, you know, that are different to just teaching really good high kicks and turns and whatever the content is of that class. What are some things that we can do for our students to ensure that, you know, that happiness and that joy when they leave? So know that it, when we celebrate our students' successes, uh, it's, it's easy to celebrate a child who makes four sounds finally in their shuffle ball change or gets a double or triple pirouette. That's the norm. But sometimes I think we need to notice the non-dance things that maybe some of our kids are up to, like to recognize students who've achieved some sort of academic success or done something good within the community or, or is dancing in the local musical and, and making a big deal out of that and being proud of that child because they're a good citizen as well as a good dancer. Absolutely. We've just had some of our students who have been nominated for student council and, you know, their parents were super proud and posted it on Facebook. But then when they got to the studio that afternoon, I made sure I made another really big deal out of it because that kind of leadership within their school community, I think grows out of the confidence they, they get in our dance classes. I agree with you. And you just said a key word, uh, leadership, uh, leadership by us appreciating our students for the humans that they are and leadership by our students setting good examples. If all the kids under our roof are the people who are recognized in the community for their kindness and their goodwill, and they all happen to come to our studio how cool is that, that that's the reputation we have? Now, hear this, because this is important. People come to you because you're a good dance studio, but because you build good and healthy minds, bodies, and souls. That becomes your product. That's awesome. And how, how easy is that to sell to a mum? Oh, listen. I believe that we try to sell great dance to parents and really we can't make them all great dancers, but if we sell to the parents great characteristics and kids who have it together and kids who are focused and kids who will have a bright future because they have confidence, we can sell that to every parent. Absolutely. We try and sell that they will become well-balanced humans so they will be able to prioritize and, you know, share their energy and their love amongst their family, their community, their dance family, their, their friends, so that they don't, when they get to those senior graduating years, I find some kids just get completely overwhelmed with the workload and dance is the first thing that they 
you know, want to cross off the list. Whereas if we are teaching them from a young age to be really balanced and to be able to handle all of their responsibilities, gosh, it sets them up for, for when they head into mm-hmm. the real world and actually have to get a job and also raise a family and, and all of the, you know, juggling that has to happen in real life. Yes. So dance is a soul thing. So you have to reach into the soul. It's not just the movement. You know, if you want a dancer to be good and you're the right teacher, it isn't necessarily the way you teach it. It's inspiring the dancer or the student to want to do it and to want to do it right. That's, that's, a, that's an art. That's a skill. So you have to make the student believe they can, otherwise they won't. So, Reed, do you have any other tips and things when it comes to recognizing this? Yes. I, I uh, think we should be on the lookout for kindness within the classroom all the time. Oh, I love praise, that. Yes, yes. And praise kids for that. I mean, you, you, we all see kids feel more comfortable, especially a new kid that's come to the studio, that should be recognized and praised or helping someone remember their dance or, or one child helping another child to tie their shoes. There's always something happening. If we start recognizing those things and praising those characteristics, this more benefit for the child, more growth for the child, more self-confidence for the child. Again, they'll believe in themselves because they believe that you believe in them. I want to say one more thing. Sometimes at the end of class, sit the kids down and ask them what they want to celebrate about their time in class today. And let them actually have to think of what they recognize that they either did good today or that they want to celebrate that they accomplished today because they can't help but get in the car and feel good, right? Yes. And taking the time to do that, actually putting that in your lesson plan so that you do pull up the routine, you know, 10 minutes early and and make time for that. I love that. I'm going to pass that on to my teachers. You know, and I'll add one more thing. This is not black and white for me. Sometimes I think this works well. Sometimes I don't necessarily think it works well because it could create a competitive situation. But I like skill charts, uh, a list of things that the average kid, let's say, who's in the seven, eight-year-old age level should accomplish by that age, and that they get recognition as they achieve each thing on that chart, and recognized at the end of the year for having graduated in a sense, or having achieved all these things and ready to move on. I think that's encouraging for the kids and and makes them know what their goals are and what they need to work on. Yeah. I had a group of seniors that went through my school a couple of years ago and they were just lovely girls, but they were very lazy. And when it came to their senior classical class, they just didn't always wear their point shoes and they didn't really see that as a really big deal. And one of my teachers said, would it help if I got a sticker chart for you? Thinking that it wouldn't because you do that with, you know, your babies, you do that with the five-year-olds and it works. But these 15 and 16-year-old girls thought it was the best idea ever. And so (laughs) I walked into the classroom one night and saw this big sticker chart and I said to the teacher, are you kidding? What, What 
what are you doing? And she said, they love it. And so it was a real visual indication for them of, you know, how often they say, oh, no, my feet hurt, or oh, no, I left my shoes at home, or oh, no, you know, the dog ate my shoe, or whatever the excuses they were using that night. And they could actually see, well, no, you know, Katie's worn hers this many nights. Look at, look at all of her stickers, and I really haven't. And Miss Ange just said the, the difference in their, in their work ethic from a sticker chart. She said it cost her, you know, $4.50, and it, and it worked wonders in that age group. Who would have thought? And if I can be sarcastic about that, what's funny is those kids don't want to wear their point shoes now, but they couldn't wait to get their first pair and be able to be on point. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> okay, so for me, I, I, I want to celebrate my kids' dance and their successes, but I'm also going to celebrate them as human beings. And that's, that's the gist of my advice on this topic. We started doing a friendship circle in, at the beginning of term and we've kind of continued it throughout because we had a few kids in a few different age groups that were feeling a bit left out. And we found once we started that sit down process and say something you know, amazing about the person next to you and go around the circle and share this information and share this love in the classroom, the feedback we've got from the parents about how those kids are feeling, you know, more welcomed and feeling like they've really got a place now and are getting along with their teammates. It's been so good for team building and, and for really getting some cohesion in that group. Yes. I think, I think you bring up a good point. I love the concept that you just brought up. And one of the things that I'd like to say to our listeners is some people bring up to me, but do the parents think we should be dancing more or do they mind if you sit down and talk to the kids? I'm going to tell you that that fear needs to go away because parents love it because the kids, when we sit down, we communicate with them. They go home talking about what happened in that classroom on that day and they become better people to each other because they know each other better and they're more team spirited um, communication within the classroom. Don't be afraid. If it's not a good day at the studio and kids seem like they're all over the place or not focused, that's the day to sit down and have a conversation. Not even necessarily because they've done something wrong, but just have a conversation. So how are you feeling about dance? How are you feeling about balancing this with academics? What's the hardest, hardest uh, part of this year for you? And what, what do you feel the most successful at this year? Tell me something about someone in this room who would never think you noticed that about them. I could go on and on, but. That's great. I love that. Tell me something that you think that no one would have noticed that's for those senior girls when it is so much about them and they want to be noticed and, you know, they want the Instagram likes and that external validation, something like that amongst their peers could be really powerful. Yes. And it helps to build confidence. I, I, I believe, especially with teenage girls, their bodies are changing. They're, they're looking in the mirror because that's what we do. And they're not confident in that we can work on that subliminally uh, through communication with them. 
and and build that confidence up because dance can be intimidating for some kids. But if you feel like everybody's in the same boat and everybody's feeling the same way, um, you're comfortable. Yeah, and I had a thought on what you said about the parents getting cranky that we're not dancing, that we're sitting down. I think it comes back to confidence. Again, I know we spoke about this when we first launched the podcast, Re, but the confidence to be able to say to a parent, no, you knew when you chose my school that I would be working on the dancer as a holistic person, not just, you know, her technique. So please understand that you're getting what you paid for. You paid for this beautiful pastoral care and that's what you're getting. And they might not be on their feet the entire time, but we're still doing important work. Yes, yes. And if you want the truth, I think it's of more value than a straight dance lesson that Mm -hmm. isn't making a life impact on the child. Yeah. Those are the days that I remember when we had those conversations with my teacher growing up. And that's the kind of stuff I like to pass on now. Yes, yes. This has been awesome, Ree. Have I forgotten to ask you anything? Is there anything else left on your list? No, but I do have, I have this final thought that I wrote down. So I kind of look at us if we're studio owners, that we're sort of like the mayor of a community or your studio community, and that you're always on the lookout for what's going on that good citizens are doing within your community. Kids that are doing an outstanding job at the studio or in life in general, and then share those people's successes with everybody associated with your studio. You're the leader of this really cool community, and you happen to be an awesome teacher too. Thank you, Ray. Oh, you're welcome. This was a blast. Everybody out there, enjoy the journey. Looking forward to the next time. Thank you for joining us for Re Gold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Re Gold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 